What's wavy? You're tuning into the Fantasy Vibes Podcast, and I am your host, Moon, and I know, I know, it's been a long time since I gave you an episode, but that does not mean I do not care about you, nor do I not love you. I know, it's been a while. However, I've been putting out content on other platforms, giving y'all that heat, giving y'all just heat in different ways. And if you want to check out more Fantasy Vibes, all you got to do is check me out on my YouTube and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Fantasy Vibes. My YouTube... Listen closely. Super, like Superman with no man. Moon, the thing up in the sky. And vibes, like the good ones that you feel when you listen to this podcast. Super Moon Vibes on YouTube. Subscribe, share with somebody that you love. And also, I appreciate you even if you consider taking your time out to soak up that content that I got on my platform. Now, on today's show. We have the week three takeaways from Bob Shadamas himself on all the action that we got on Sunday. Now, I preface this by saying Sunday because I'm not going to be going into the games that happened on Thursday night or Monday night. I'm not going to do it. So Eagles in Dallas. Sorry, Texas, the Texans (laughs) and also the uh, Panthers. I'm not going to do it to you. I'm going to talk about the Sunday games, and that's what we can expect on this episode. Now, I also got Moon's mailbag coming up, a little brief segment later in the show, because you know it's a lot of things going on in the Twitter streets. And then also, we have a little bit of fact or fiction. And since I mentioned Bob Shadamas, I'm going to have a segment called Bob Shadamas. But all of that is little things that set you up. It's not the main entree. It's hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres. The main entree, these takeaways about what happened in these games. And I'm going to be giving you a lot of information. So sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself as we get in to another episode of FV, Fantasy Vibes. And to start the show off, like I always do, it's time for Real Talk, presented by Real Ones Productions. Hold my beer. Real talk. Say it with your chest. Big Ben Roethlisberger needs to retire. I don't know any other way to put it. I'm sorry. It's kind of hard to watch. That game, if you watched it, it was hard to watch. Ben, I put out a tweet, and I didn't mean any disrespect when I said this. Hopefully you don't take it disrespectful when I tell you this, Ben, if you're listening. Or if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan out there, hey, listen, cover your eardrums if you don't want to hear it. If we've got children around, you can leave their eardrums open because, you know, they already know, too. They can see they got eyes. But I'm not going to be, you know, flamboyant or rambunctious. (laughs) But I am going to be real on this episode of Real Talk. Big Ben, you're holding the Steelers back. And the reason why you've been holding the Steelers back for a very, very, very long time. Not taking this seriously, not taking your offseason seriously. I saw an interview with him about a week or two ago after they took, um, after the Buffalo game. And um, they they had another game that they played. I'm not going to mention the name because it's going to bring back too many memories for the Steelers fans. I'm sorry. But in that specific game, they took a loss. And with that loss, Big Ben was just like, you know, I got to play better. I got to play better. It's personally frustrating because 
you know, I work, I work harder than I ever have in this off season. And I said to myself, he, he said, what? He worked harder than ever this off season. <laughs> so the one time that you work harder than ever, and then you don't get the results that you want because it's too late. Now you want to talk about how frustrated you are. <laughs> if I'm Mike Toblin, I got to be even more frustrated because this Steelers team doesn't have an identity anymore. They have no identity. And it's not hard to admit if you want to be real on real talk. But the reason why I talk about that is this. Let's go to the numbers because they think I'm lying. When you look at the stats of this game, you're like, okay, who is the top performers, Moon? Who are the top performers that went crazy? I'll be like, you know what? Najee Harris, when Deontay Johnson didn't play, was wide receiver number one. You're like, wait, what? That's with Chase Claypool, James Washington, Juju. Yeah, Juju got hurt. Sorry. Nah, he's not there. <laughs> uh, what else? You mean to tell me that Najee had the most? Yes. 14 receptions, 19 targets, 102 receiving yards, 11 total avoided tackles. I'm like, I saw that stat line, and I couldn't believe it. I said, he really had that many catches? Now, don't miss it, because even though Najee played well, he wasn't the star of the game. The Pittsburgh Steelers took on the Cincinnati Bengals this past week. But the star of the game was probably Jamar Chase. Four receptions, 65 yards, two touchdowns. I'll talk about that a little bit later. I'll talk about this game a little bit more later. However, there's some other things that happen that, you know, in a game that we need to monitor. But, like I said, I'll talk to you about that in a second. But listen, and listen closely. I looked at the stat line for Najee Harris, and I said, wow, he had a lot of targets. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Let me go watch. Let me go rewatch that game. Let me go rewatch the highlights. Because I saw it, but it didn't feel, when I was watching it through Red Zone, it didn't feel like he had 14 receptions for 102 yards, 11 of total avoided tackles. And then I thought about it to myself. Wow. You mean to tell me that Big Ben wasn't throwing the ball down the field at all? <laughs> yes. You're absolutely correct. The reason why this is important, because I tweeted out yesterday while the games was going on. I said, you know what, Pittsburgh, since y'all can't run the ball, even if y'all want to, it's almost like y'all – Y'all don't know that y'all are last in total rushing offense in the entire NFL. It's almost like y'all have no clue. Like, y'all didn't get that memo. Y'all didn't get that through y'all head. So, we're just going to keep passing, passing, passing. Even though our quarterback is aging, aging, aging. And he cannot throw the ball pass, pass, pass. 20 yards. I said to myself, Dang, it might not be that bad if the Pittsburgh Steelers came out and said, you know what, we're going to pass the ball in the red zone. Feed Najee from 20 to 20 and then pass the ball in the red zone. Why? Because Big Ben only has to throw the ball 20 to 30 yards. (laughs) If you're talking about from 
from the 20 yard line to the end zone that's 20 yards plus another 10 yard line 10 yards for the actual end zone you only have to throw the ball for about 20 yards plus that's perfect for ben ben might be actually good in the red zone if he had time now if you're a pittsburgh steelers fan it's just like oh my god our o-line our o-line listen listen closely the offensive line wasn't even that bad last year. It wasn't like it was the Giants. <laughs> you saw the Giants O line? Like you saw the you saw the Bears O line yesterday? They're not they're not that bad. They got a free agency free agency pickup in Trey Turner that actually was a a damn good pickup. However, we have to call a spade a spade. When I saw this fourteen carries for forty yards for Najee, I said, What? He did what? 14 carries for 40 yards? I'm like, oh, man. And then they add, well, he did have 14 receptions for 102 receiving yards. I said, man, Ben was dinking and dunking like crazy. But if you watch the game, it was a brutal sight. Cincinnati's defense, they're for real. We'll talk about them a little bit later in the show. But that's what you need to know. Real talk, Big Ben, it's time to hang it up. And, um... If you play more years after this trying to chase that Brady thing, I don't think it's going to end well for you. And you should you should go when you can have a chance to be on top instead of um, going and getting forced out and then wishing, like, I wish it could have been different. Um, so, yeah, that's my real talk presented by Real Ones Productions. Ben, it's time to hang it up, my guy. Ain't nothing personal. <laughs> it's time to hang it up. Let's get into the show. NFL Week 3 came with its fair share of injury-related storylines, narratives, and we had, entering Week 3, we had a lot that was possibly going to be happening, like Odell Beckham Jr. returning for injury to make the 2021 season debut. Can Saquon Barkley get back to himself after he's coming back from his injury? We got Trey Sermon stepping up into a starting role after the injuries to Elijah Mitchell and his 49ers running back core is just all over the place. We got Justin Fields stepping in as a starter for Andy Dalton, who possibly avoided an ACL injury in the game. However... Justin Fields, he was pretty much on his back all day by that Cleveland defense. More to come about that later. It was a lot to expect, but injuries seemed to be where we had it at. Now, I'm going to be getting into a lot of different information, including targets, snaps, carries, breakdowns, all that type of stuff for you so you can get the full slate on things that we need to know for each and every single game that we had this past Sunday. But before I do, I want to caution by telling you this. If you're a Detroit Lions fan, I might have to do you last to spare you the heartbreak. Or we can just do you first so we can go ahead and get it out of the way. I'm sorry, Lions fans. That was the closest that y'all going to get to a, a victory um, in, in the first three weeks. Because we don't want to talk about week two against the Packers. And I know that's sour tasting y'all mouth. And y'all don't want to talk about week one against the Niners where y'all actually came back. And even though that chance was close, but let's get into it. The week three take- takeaways from Basha Diamonds himself. 
Baltimore Ravens at Detroit Lions. Why am I starting off with this game? Because this game right here, in a nutshell, was Marquise Hollywood Brown. You dropped and fumbled the bag. He fumbled the bag. I don't even know how many drops that this man had. In fact, I don't even want to tell you because I just don't want you to just freak out if you're a Hollywood Brown owner. Now, I understand. I get it. And when I say I get it and I understand, I understand how you got to be patient. And I understand that he might bounce back. But there's people that's going to be out there that use this as ammo for the Lamar Jackson debate, all because Hollywood Brown can't come in clutch and make these catches in crucial times. This is important because Lamar Jackson already gets a lot of hate, hatred, uh, ridicule, and they they break down every single thing that he does. Oh, the ball could have been a little bit put on a put on a little bit more velocity or a little bit less velocity or it could have been a little bit more accurate. And Hollywood Brown had multiple touchdowns that he dropped. A couple of different drop balls in a game that's just like, you're just not confident right now. And it's okay. But these are some of the takeaways that I had from that game as a, as a whole. But before I do, the key players in that game was DeAndre Swift, who had 14 carries, 47 yards, and one touchdown. He also added seven receptions, 68 receiving yards. And... He did. He got a goal line carry ripped away from him, and Jamal uh, Williams got a touchdown on his behalf. Mark Andrews, on the other hand, was probably the best thing that was helping Lamar out yesterday. And I'm so serious. He had five receptions, 109 yards, and he had four explosive plays in the game. Now, if you look at the snap shares, in which I'll break down as far as snaps, routes, run, targets in the fantasy world, I'll do that in a minute, but. It's interesting to see, for real, for real. But takeaways that I have coming out of this game, we got to avoid the Lions wide receivers. Last week, Quintez Cephas led the entire group. And, I mean, if we're being honest, none of these receivers were a top three on the team in ADP heading into the season when we were drafting these guys. Khalif Raymond, Cephas, Tyrell Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown. I think the Detroit running backs will be – the most heavy as far as workload. And this is what I'm banking on. Now, this week, Khalif Raymond, he caught six passes for 68 yards, and he led the team in targets. I'll break that down in a second. But no other wide receivers saw more than one target in that game. I'm avoiding all Lions wide receivers until further notice. And the schedule doesn't get easier. Also, I'm starting Jamal Williams. Did you know that the Lions running back Jamal Williams ranked 11th in fantasy points at the position coming into the day on Sunday? And he had a pretty cool performance. He had 42 yards on the ground, 12 carries and a touchdown. He also had two catches for 25 yards. But DeAndre Swift was the one that got the start, and that was good because coming into the game, DeAndre Swift was questionable. And um, – Williams is a close second right behind him, but because the Lions rely so heavily on their running backs, you need both of them, and I would start both of them every week, week in and week out, even even with injuries, because Swifty did play. Got to give him credit for that. On the Baltimore Ravens side, I'm not starting Tyson Williams, and I was completely wrong about Tyson Williams. Now, I understand he's a rookie, 
And I understand that he continues to see the most snaps out of the Ravens' backfield, who's been just heavy hit with injuries. And I came into the week, and I had a lot. I had a tough decision to make, ladies and gentlemen. I had to say to myself, do I start David Montgomery against the Browns? We ended up, we know how that ended up. That was just bad all, all around. I'm glad I didn't do that. Do we start Antonio Gibson against the Bills? Do we start Tyson Williams against the Lions? Or do we start Chase Sermon against the the Packers? I had to pick two. You know what I picked? I picked Chase Sermon and I picked Tyson Williams. And boy, 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 boy. <laughs> now, listen, it's not like. Trey Sermon did nothing. He got a touchdown, but he only had like 34 yards on like 10 carries, 11 carries. And I took I tweeted yesterday and I said, well, at least he didn't bust. If you if you started Trey Sermon, at least he didn't bust. At least he got a touchdown for you, which is facts. However, I saw I saw this and I said, you know what? Antonio Gibson, he had a long touchdown. I'm I'm talking about like a long touchdown receiving, but outside of that, he did nothing against the <laughs> he did nothing against the Bills defense. There was a moment where in the game, and I have to break that down later. I just remind me, I gotta get it down. But this goes back to Tyson Williams because he's the only one that I didn't talk about. Tyson Williams was held to twenty two yards on five carries and only had one target. But Tavius Murray was actually the primary rusher for the Ravens in this game. Could have just been a fluke if I'm looking at it from a bigger picture. But that would really reduce Tyson Williams to just a receiving back. And then that means that he doesn't need to be on my fantasy roster anymore if Latavius Murray is going to get the primary rushing for this team, if this is what it means. Let's talk about some of the snaps, routes, targets for this game. Sammy Watkins led the team in snaps, 46. He also led the team in routes around with 34 for the Ravens. Marquise Hollywood-Brown had 39 snaps, 29 routes run. Devin Duvernay, 20, uh, 28 routes run on 33 snaps. James Proch, 13 snaps, 11 routes run. Okay. But then when you look at it deeper, you're like, okay, Sammy Watkins has seven targets. Marquise Hollywood Brown has six. Devin Duvernay had four. And I feel like they had to go to Devin Duvernay in a clutch sometimes just because Hollywood wasn't coming up for them. Mark Andrews, on the other hand, had 46 snaps, 31 routes run, and seven targets. As a tight end, we talked about it before, but tight ends that have value in fantasy are the ones that not only play the snaps, but they run routes on the snaps they play. And they get the targets. He checked all boxes, and now he's in a position where if you talk bad about Mark Andrews and I was standing on the table for him early in the offseason, then it's kind of looking pretty bad and dicey for you. But when it comes to the Tyson Williams debate, he had 29 snaps, so he outsnapped Latavius Murray. He actually ran more routes than Latavius Murray, 21 to 11. But he only he ran 21 routes but only received one target. And he had five carries to Latavius Murray's seven. So as a whole, the Ravens only threw the ball, only carried the ball 17 times in the game. That shows you how weird of a game that it was. When I talk about 
this lion side of the ball though. It's weird. Khalif Raymond had 47 snaps, 27 routes run, and nine targets, and nobody else had more than one target. I kid you not. Quintez Cephas, Armin Ross St. Brown, Trinity Benson, Kadero Hodge all had one target apiece. The only one that ran over uh, over 20 routes run was Quintez Cephas, and he did that on 45 snaps, but only received one target. I'm happy I didn't play him yesterday. TJ Hawkinson, disappointed. He only had two targets yesterday. And he ran a route on 26 of 53 snaps. Now, when I tell you about the targets, you're like, I broke this down in the offseason, so you should be caught up on what these means and what this terminology means. DeAndre Swift had 31 snaps, well, 35 snaps to Jamal Williams, 31. But they both ran routes pretty much the same. DeAndre Smith, 13. Jamal Williams, 14. Targets, it was not even close. DeAndre Swift had seven targets compared to Jamal Williams, two. But when it comes to carries, it definitely was close. (laughs) DeAndre Swift had 14 carries. Jamal Williams had 12. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what is going on with this backfield? They're getting a lot of workload. It's the receivers that's not getting the workload. But this game as a whole was chronicled by a late game heroics of the guy, the legend, the man with the plan, the man that's always been built like that. I'm talking about Justin Tucker of the Baltimore Ravens. On the same day that we got a potential record breaking field goal by Matt Prater that ended up being tied for the longest play in history in the Jacksonville Jaguars versus Arizona Cardinals game. We got an actual record broken as well with Justin Tucker winning the game on a 66-yard field goal. That was history. Now, I told you, Detroit Lions fans, I wasn't going to spare you. I wanted to do you either in the beginning or the end of the show so we can get rid of the pain and the misery now. (laughs) So we don't have to talk about it no more. But if you watch this game, the defense for the Lions play big. Huge, I would say. But they got robbed at the end on a play that's probably going to go down in history. And the Ravens escaped that game with the win. And I, like I said before, that was probably their best chance to win out of the three games that they had so far. The first week against the 49ers, they got down big and they wasn't even supposed to be in that game. 49ers just slipped, slipped up and started to just get complacent. Second week, Aaron Rodgers put that thunder on y'all in reality it was him putting the thunder on y'all by giving the ball to Aaron Jones Aaron Jones he's been in y'all memory a lot lately sorry Lions fans but this past week was our closest chance to get a dub and the schedule doesn't get easier like I said but that's the breakdown of the Lions versus the Ravens Ravens gotta get it together man in Hollywood I'm tired of you selling do dos thin mints <laughs> Lemon creams, whatever you want to call it. You, you was you was selling yesterday. You gotta call a spade a spade. Coming up next. Washington football team at Buffalo Bills. Story of this game to me, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Josh Allen is really like that. Josh Allen, I know the game started like, uh, what's going on? But man, when I saw Gabriel Davis out there, I said, Oh man, Emmanuel Sanders is primed for a big game, and boy did he have one. 
he had five receptions, 94 yards, and two touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders, I'm not going to say is an ultimate waiver wire pickup right now. However, you need to keep him on your radar because it's hard to predict where this volume is going to come in the passing game, especially when they have Stephon Diggs there. And they have Cole Beasley, who had himself a great game. But that is who gets the love from me. And then, of course, who's going to come out for at the top is, you know, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, Josh Allen. But there was more storylines to this game. Um, Washington football team looked like they were, you know, going to keep it close literally at the beginning. But um, Buffalo just kind of kicked it up a notch and took it up a gear when Josh Allen decided to realize that, like, you know, I am really built like that. When we talk about the Bills, guess who led the team in targets? It wasn't Emmanuel Sanders. He only had six targets. He made the most of his snaps. Keep in mind, he had six targets, but he had five receptions, 94 yards, and two touchdowns. It wasn't Stephon Diggs who had 10 targets. Nah. It was actually... Cole Beasley with 13 targets. That's who Josh Allen went to the most. And then, you know, if you're a Gabriel Davis supporter out there, it's not time yet. We have to understand that. He only, he had 22 snaps in the game, and I know he was coming back from injury. But he only had 12 routes routes run and one target on the day. To me, that is not me saying I'm bringing Gabriel Davis out of my taxi squad yet. I'm going to let him sit there and get comfortable until he becomes a more central focus in this offense. Dawson Knox, 62 snaps, 36 routes run, five targets. What a sweet touchdown. Great play in, to get that touchdown. But some takeaways that I have from the Bills side of things is this. We got to drop Devin Singletary. Because the Bills are starting to have confidence in Zach Moss. And he went from being inactive in week one, because of some personal reasons, to active in week two, to Matt Breida being a healthy scratch on Wednesday. Devin Singletary started the game, dropped the pass on the first drive. And then after that, Zach Moss took more snaps on the second drive and for the rest of the game. And I'll, I'll like to say that they're going to continue to split time as far as playing time for the rest of the season. But it's already hard enough to be a running back in an offense where Josh Allen can easily steal a touchdown away from you with his rushing ability. You mean to tell me that I have to have two on my on my roster that have to be relevant between Zach Moss and Devin Singletary? Give me Zach Moss. And for those that have been pounding the table for Zach Moss all year, Definitely have to be happy about the performance that you got from him. On the Buffalo Bills side, you also got to look at the fact that Emmanuel Sanders, I'm not going to go ahead and say he's a top waiver wire target. I don't see that. However, because he's not like he's getting the targets for real. Like, he did make the most of his opportunity. Don't get it twisted. But Cole Beasley is more of a waiver wire pickup than Emmanuel Sanders is to me. Don't let the two touchdowns fool you. Like, he led the team in routes run. Yes, he did with 40. But 40 to 36 is in the big discrepancy compared to 13 targets to six. <laughs> Cole Billy's Beasley had 13. Emmanuel Sanders only had six. 
he's going to have a role, yes, and his role is bigger than Gabe Davis, yes. But is his role bigger than Cole Beasley? No. And that's why we got to temper our expectations for this Bills high-powered offense. Now we get to the Washington football team, and we talk about Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, 12 carries, 31 yards. He only had 13 yards before contact. Yeah, one reception for 73 yards and one touchdown. That is what saved his day, period. He had 12 carries, 31 yards. That is not cutting it. We talk about carries. He definitely outcarried J.D. McKissick 12 to 3. They talk about targets. Both of them got two targets. It's just that Antonio Gibson made the most out of his target. <laughs> you talk about routes run. Clearly, J.D. McKissick had the edge on Antonio Gibson 19 to 11. Snaps. It was encouraging to see Gibson get 31 snaps in the game, but let's just be honest. Like, he didn't make the most out of his opportunity against the Buffalo Bills, even in a tough matchup. And I said to myself, is Antonio Gibson going to be Antonio Gibson? And the thing that we have to understand and we have to keep in mind throughout this situation is that, listen, don't let that one reception for 73 yards fool you in thinking that he, 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 had, a, he had a boom moment in a game that was a bad matchup. But that does not mean that he played well. <laughs> From a fantasy purposes, people are going to be happy because, you know, hey, he scored. That's all that matters. But for me, the star of the game, at least the one that I'm looking at and saying, okay, this, this is what I'm going to focus my attention on. It might be time to look at Logan Thomas and say, Logan, you ran 50. You had 54 snaps. You ran 30 routes, which was right behind Teddy. Terry McCorn, and you had four targets, which was second on the team, tied with Adam Humphreys and right behind Terry McLaurin, which had seven targets. It's time to understand that Logan Thomas is going to be utilizing this offense, and it just wasn't a fluke year, and it wasn't just one of those, oh, well, he, 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 <laughs> he came on late in his career type things. And he just faded out. Nah, he's actually good. He's actually good. He just needs Taylor Heineke, who we have to put more respect on as a starting quarterback in this league. Because there was a play and there was a series in that game um, in the Buffalo Bills red zone where they tried to get the ball, tried to get the ball to Antonio Gibson, and he didn't make the most of his carry. The next play, they did a drop back pass. Taylor Heineke didn't see anybody covered. He saw everybody covered and plastered. And he decided to take it himself and use his wheels to run and get a touchdown. That should tell you the storyline of this game. Buffalo Bills, Washington football team. Coming up next, Indianapolis Colts at Tennessee Titans. <laughs> the storyline of this game to me, Derrick Henry is King Henry and is still, we got to put respect on him. I'm not going to be on this wave of calling Derrick Henry Little Henry anymore. <laughs> this man is being utilized in the passing game. I never thought I would see today. He had three receptions for 31 yards. It might not look like a lot, but the fact that they were calling screens for him and everything was actually encouraging to see. He had 28 carries, 113 yards, and 73 yards after contact. That's impressive. And on a day where we're going up against Jonathan Taylor, it was clearly better uh, it, it was clearly, we could see who was better. And it was Derrick Henry. 
You remember those people that was out there saying that Jonathan Taylor was going to get a Derrick Henry-like workload? Well, Derrick, uh, Derrick Henry had 28 carries, 113 yards, three receptions. If I'm looking at the stats even more, Derrick Henry had three targets, and he ran 15 routes, which is crazy. You know, you want to know how many routes Jonathan Taylor ran? 13. You want to know how many targets Jonathan Taylor had? One. You want to know how many carries Jonathan Taylor had? Six. You want to know if Jonathan Taylor was being used in the red zone, in the green zone? No, he wasn't. You want to know who had a better game than Jonathan Taylor? Naheem Hines. And we've been saying that for the longest amount of time. I don't know why we trust this coach speak every year, but I'm not about to be fooled by it anymore. Jonathan Taylor just might not be what we think he is. And I know his schedule has a chance to open up and get really big, but Derrick Henry was the star of this game as a running back on a day where we had no Dalvin Cook, on a day where we also had we lost Christian McCaffrey on on Thursday night. It was like, well, if you're talking about top running backs in the league, I mean, Kamara had himself a, a cool game. I mean, he scored and he salvaged the day. But Derrick Henry looks like the safest option as a running back. And if you drafted him right now, you got to be celebrating and jumping for joy because he continues to get utilized in his offense. That's do that's something that you should know. But on the Colts side. Naeem Hines had six carries for 25 yards and a touchdown. Sheesh. Five receptions, 54 yards, and 39 receiving yards after contact. That's important. The star of the game, at least for the Colts side, was I love what I saw from Michael Pittman Jr. He had 39 routes run, which is a tie for the the team lead with Zach Pascal, which was which is really cool, on 56 snaps. But the more impressive thing is the fact that Michael Pittman led everybody in the entire game with targets. Michael Pittman Jr. had 11 targets on the day by Carson Wentz. He could have had a touchdown if Carson Wentz didn't overthrow him. On the first play, on first down in the red zone, it was later in the game. Michael Pittman had a chance for a touchdown, and Carson Wentz overthrew it because it was too much velocity. That is kind of discouraging that he didn't get a touchdown, but it is encouraging to see he had 11 targets and he's out there running routes. While when he's not blocking, he he led the team. He actually led the game in routes run. So from the other side of things, I'm like, well, Paris Campbell, I'm not looking at you right now as somebody I'm adding on my roster. If you have Zach Pascal, you kind of knew it was coming. If you picked him up on a waiver wire, there's a reason why you picked him up on a waiver wire. But don't don't let it be don't be fooled. I think Zach Pascal is more touchdown dependent than you may want to admit, because it's really Michael Pittman Jr. that's out there getting the targets and getting the, and getting the shine. And Jack Doyle, who is a waiver wire quote unquote target, he actually had thirty five snaps, nineteen routes run, and two targets. Two. <laughs> On the other side of things for the Tennessee Titans, Julio Jones. Everybody was you know. Hitting me up talking about who do I start? Do I start Julio Jones today? And he had four targets and he only had 18 routes run. It's like, how do you have Julio there but you don't want to use him? That doesn't make sense. On a day where AJ Brown left the game early and he only played eight snaps, he had five routes run on that eight snaps, two targets on those five routes run, and he had a carry. So he was getting used and used effectively. But it's not a good look. When <laughs> Derrick Henry is in a position 
where he he's competing with Julio as far as targets, and they're right behind each other. You don't know who had the most targets and the most route runs for the Tennessee Titans? Nick Westbrook Ikine. You're like, who? Nick Westbrook Ikine. Four targets on a day, 25 routes run on 53 snaps. Crazy. He played almost way more snaps than uh, Julio. And, if I'm not mistaken, he actually had a score. We had to monitor A.J. Brown's injury. Let's just be let's just be real. He didn't return after that eight snaps. Westbrook Akina, he took over as a starter opposite of Julio Jones. The Titans passing offense kind of spread the ball around, but not really. Um, oh, yeah, no, let me not. I, I was thinking about the Colts. <laughs> uh, the Titans offense, they did spread the ball around. They had 11 different receivers targeted in the total. Ryan, Fispat- Ryan Tannehill was definitely out there. Uh, Distributing, but if Brown's injury is serious enough for him to miss any type of time, then I would say Westbrook and Keenan would be the man to target off of your waiver wire. What you need to do right now, you need to drop Jack Doyle if you picked him up. His role in that game was just temporary, he was back to running a route on less than half of the Colts' pass plays this week. It's not complicated, he only caught one pass for 10 yards, it's not complicated. <laughs> it's also concern- it's concerning for real that fourth round rookie Colin Granson he doubled his career pass routes in this game it's something that has to be out there and he was a popular waiver wire target after his five catch 65 yard performance he had the week before and it was not able to be duplicated you gotta monitor that and drop Jack Doyle from your rosters buy low on Jonathan Taylor he looked great when he did have the ball in his hands. He had 64 on 60, 64 yards on 10 carries. But it just, like, they didn't run that many plays for him. And they were behind all game. So the run game got nullified. Marlon Mack was a healthy scratch. So it was really a two-man backfield between Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. So... With different game, game scripts, I can see how Jonathan Taylor will be more involved and more used. But so far this season, he has been disappointing, to me at least. Not because of him not looking like he is ready to take on the workload. It's just the fact that y'all were drafting him, hyping him, pushing him up our draft boards over and over and over and over again. And he has not once this season so far in these three weeks rewarded us in a way where we said to ourselves self and ourselves said <laughs> Jonathan Taylor is really built like that and he's actually getting the volume like a Derrick Henry coming up next in the show <laughs> Chicago Bears at Cleveland Browns story of this game Kareem Hunt it's kind of obvious now, the people that's going to come in the game and they didn't really watch the game, for real, they're going to talk about, oh, Justin Fields getting sacked a billion times. That was important. However, Kareem Hunt was the story of the game. He had 10 carries, 81 yards, a touchdown, six receptions, 74 yards, and he was out there, and it was basically him and Odell doing his thing. Oh, yeah, Odell came back from injury. That was great to see. Amazing to see. Odell had five receptions, 77 yards, and a 13.3-yard average depth of target. That is 
beautiful. I couldn't ask for more. Cannot ask for more. Did we talk about this game as a whole? There was a lot of things that we got to look at, though. But those are the things I had to start out first. Kareem Hunt, gym. And if you waited all the way up to now and you started Kareem Hunt last week, give yourself a round of applause. But we can't start just Justin Fields right now. The Bears offense was never able to get anything going in the eight drives, lasting five plays or fewer, before ending in a plant or a turnover and downs. That's what it was like. He couldn't get his rushing productions going because he was he's basically had men in the backfield from the other opposing team, and he got sacked eight times. He took more sacks than the number of passes rushes, pass rushes he attempted combined. Let that think let that sink in. He took more sacks than the number of passes that he attempted combined. <laughs> Plus rushes he attempted and combined those. If Andy Dalton is healthy, I totally expect Andy Dalton to be the starter. But the Bears, they seem like they were having a lot of time uh, back there. But none of that time was devoted towards protecting Justin Fields. Now, I'm not saying drop him from your rosters. I'm just saying that you should have picked him up on your waiver wire a while ago. And this matchup, we knew it was going to be a tough matchup. I mean, the Browns, we saw what they added in the offseason, so we said to ourselves, they have to be lethal. So it's like a classic case of our mentality in our mind and the narrative saying, man, Justin Fields is going to go crazy today. This is his first start, only to be humbled and realize that, hey, he's not that guy this game. At all. It was a combination between holding the ball on holding on to the ball too long. It was a combination between Mac Nagy kind of adjusting. He did adjust, but then also it was Ryan Ryan Pace as well. And these offensive linemen that they got, Jason Peters, what are you doing, bro? Like going back and watching the film, it was horrible to see. I I guess they want to burn that film. But I'm not starting Justin Fields right now. But a player that I am starting. It's Odell Beckham Jr. Because Odell Beckham Jr. returned to action, he was clearly the Browns' best receiver. He's a highlight factory, in my opinion. And they finally got the highlight factory back. He returned to his usual stuff. He played almost every snap for the first three quarters. And he sat out most of the fourth quarter because Cleveland ran out the clock and the game was pretty much over by then. And he's a must-start player going forward. What you need to be doing, though, is selling high on Austin Hooper. He caught a touchdown pass, and he continues to see about the same kind of split between David and Joku as far as pass routes run. And the only reason Hooper sees more snaps is that he's just a better blocker than David and Joku. I would rather have a starting fantasy tight end who runs routes on my team passing plays. But he can be a dominant blocker as well. That's Austin Hooper. If you can't find a trade partner... It's unfortunate, but that's the guy that you need to be targeting. Austin Hooper and David Njoku. 51 snaps for Hooper, 50 snaps for Njoku. 21 routes run for Hooper, 20 routes run for Njoku. Three targets for Hooper, zero targets for Njoku. That's where I lose it. We talk about the Browns. Nick Chubb, 40 snaps, but he had 22 carries. Kareem Hunt, 33 snaps. Routes run, 21. 
with 10 carries. So he definitely ran more routes. And Nick Chubb had zero targets. Kareem Hunt, six. Odell Beckham led the team in targets for the Browns. Nine total targets. And he had a carry. So that shows me they were getting him involved. But no other person on the team, other than that, could even compete for real besides Kareem Hunt. It was Odell and Kareem Hunt. So I know we want to be quick to add the metric Felton, but I got to see more before we do that. The metric Felton snaps. He only played 11. So let's temper our expectations, honestly. Let's let's keep it keep it under wraps on Demetric Felton because we need to understand what we're dealing with right now. Even we got to temper our expectations on Donovan Peoples Jones. He had two targets yesterday. He did have thirty one routes run. That was second on the team behind Odell, but he only had two targets. You know what Baker is? He was coming for Odell and Odell and Odell, and when they didn't have Jarvis out there, why not force feed Odell? That's Chicago Bears versus the Cleveland Browns. Coming up next, I'm because I, I don't even feel the need to talk about the the other side of the ball uh, for Chicago. They didn't really do much. Oh, David Montgomery clamped. He was locked up. Ten carries. It was it was it was bad, but he got all the running back snaps for the most part. Thirty-seven. Damian Williams had seven, and Khalil Herbert had two. So that's what you need to know about the Bears and the Browns. <laughs> They're not going to like me for that one. Coming up next, Los Angeles Chargers, Kansas City Chiefs. I tweeted this yesterday, but I said, listen, don't let don't let what you see distort the like the real reality that Keenan Allen is still the wide receiver number one on his team. Like, don't don't let it change the fact that he's still that num- that number one re- receiver, and Mike Williams is the number two. Who before this year we were all talking about he has injury problems, he can't he can't put a full season together. So understand who you're talking about when you when you, when you make this fantasy vibes vibe fantasy vibes blind resume entering week three. Player A, 15 receptions, 173 yards, and 11.5 average, two touchdowns, 22 targets. That's player A. Player B, 13 receptions, 208 yards, a 16.0 average, and zero touchdowns. But... He has 21 tar- twenty one targets. Who is player A and who is player B, Moon? Player A, Mike Williams. Player B, Keenan Allen. I said it before and I'll say it again. Please be patient with Keenan Allen. Yesterday, Mike Williams may have stole the show because he had two touchdowns, one in garbage time, uh, 122 yards, seven receptions. Right, but let's look at the numbers. And this is not me knocking Mike Evans, Mike Williams, but this is the reason. If you watch the game, there was a critical third down 
that the Los Angeles Chargers was on because if they didn't convert, they were going to have to kick the ball back to Kansas City and they were going to have to just hope that Patrick Mahomes didn't beat Patrick Mahomes. On third down, who did they go to? In money time and money down situations? Keenan Allen. The next the next couple of plays, Mike Williams is in that same exact situation on third down. Justin Herbert went to him. Mike Williams dropped it. On the day, Keenan Allen, 55 snaps. Mike Williams, 48. Routes run, Keenan Allen, 39. Mike Williams, 35. On the day, Mike Williams, 9 targets. Keenan Allen, 12. Like, let's keep it a buck and be real. Yes, he finished second in the team in targets. Austin Eckler had six targets, 27 yard, uh, 27 routes run. He had 11 carries, 55 yards, six receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown. Where he did his classic celebration. Austin Eckler, that is. So if you got Austin Eckler, then you got to be happy right now. You got to be elated, jubilant. But let's call a spade a spade and let's say how it is. Keenan Allen is still the number one wide receiver on this team. Who is Justin Herbert going to go to when he's familiar and comfortable? Keenan Allen. But that doesn't mean that Mike Williams is not on the upward trajectory. So I got to start off by saying that first and foremost. But on the other side, he is a must start. Mike Williams is a must start. He was only in 50% of ESPN leagues last week, so we have to keep perspective on it. I'm not debating whether or not he's a must-start worthy. I'm just debating whether or not he's the number one wide receiver because people starting to already have this conversation in their minds and then out loud because he's going crazy, but he's playing in a position where Joe Lombardi already said that he was going to have a big year, and y'all didn't want to believe it, but now it's happening, and now y'all want to believe it, and now y'all want to overhype it like y'all always do. People out here in the fantasy community, y'all always overhype everything. And now y'all start talking crazy out the side of y'all neck and realizing that Keenan Allen is still that dude. So that's what I'm debating. I'm not debating whether Mike Williams is a must start. He's a must start. And I understand that he might not see this many touchdowns going forward, but until we see him cool off, I'm still starting him. But other things that you need to know in this game is that you need to buy low on Tyreek Hill because anytime a star wide receiver fails to score a touchdown and stays under 60 yards, it's always a good time to buy low. This is no exception, and this situation is no different than any other situation we've seen before. Kansas City, they tried to get his other wide receivers going and more involved in the offense because we knew that it was really Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, or bust. But they didn't get no, they didn't get much success with it. And when we look at the snaps and everything for Tyreek Hill, he had 58 snaps. Demarcus Robinson had 56. Miko had 52. Pringle had 30, and Marcus Kemp had 8. We talk about routes run, Tyreek Hill, 41. Demarcus, 37. Miko, 32. Targets, Tyreek Hill, 8 targets. Demarcus Robinson, 2. Miko Hartman, 3. Don't let it fool you. It's still Travis Kelsey or bust. Travis Kelsey, by the way, had 11 targets, 44 routes run on 60, 69 snaps. That shows you that... You know, tight ends that run that that run routes are important. But if you get targets on top of them routes run, you're even more important. 
Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are who we have to look at in this game and say it's still all or nothing with them guys. Now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he probably had the weirdest game that I've ever I've ever seen. He lost a fumble for the second straight game, which just let out everybody just going worst case scenario. But the Chiefs handed it off to them 19 times. Even though they were losing most of the game. He also caught two passes, including a touchdown. So I definitely saved his day. But for the people that's like, should he he remain in the starting lineups? Yes, he should. But you got to temper your expectations and understand that this fumbling thing is could be a problem moving forward. But we already knew that with a smaller back like he is. The Chargers was going after that ball like it was nothing. And if he plays more divisional games, it's going to be like that. I was already low on CEH heading into the year, and the reason why they fed him so much is because the uh, defense for the Chargers was playing a lot of too high safety, so they were basically begging. They were begging the Chiefs to run the ball. We would rather give up 200 yards rushing than 400 yards passing. That's what their mindset was. So don't let it don't let the numbers fool you. But I'm not confident starting Clyde Edwards-Helaire moving forward. And if you want to keep starting him, that's going to be on you. But I I just look at it like he's going to get touches. He had three targets. Cool. 17 carries. Cool. But to me, he's not a elite running back. And it's time that more people understand and realize that. That's the Los Angeles Chargers at Kansas City Chiefs from a fantasy perspective. Coming up next, New England Patriots and the New Orleans Saints. I mean, honestly, this is a Marquez Callaway game because we said to ourselves, wow, we've been benching him. When is he going to pop off? When is he going to pop off? Now, when I say Marquez Callaway game, I don't mean that he was a star of the game. I mean, for what it's worth and what we've been dealing with in our fantasy community for a while, we've been like hoping and praying and wishing that Marcos Callaway gets more involved in the offense. He had 16 routes and run and five targets. He led the team in targets, actually. That's crazy. It's when you got Alvin Kamara on your team. Alvin Kamara only had three targets yesterday, but Alvin Kamara had 24 carries, which is great. It shows me that Sean Payton said, hey, I'm going to lean on my guy, the bell, the bell cow, the guy guy that's really built like that. Listen, I don't understand why, but Sean Payton said to himself, finally, I'm going to roll with the hot hand, and that is Alvin Kamara. But Marquez Callaway salvaged his day on a toss-up pass from Jameis Wilson on a flag play, on a penalty play, I should say. And Marquez Callaway caught it, and he ended up salvaging his day on the five targets. And I said to myself, self, myself said, hmm. People was like, you should have started Marquez Callaway. Nah, not exactly. You should have just understood that it was a possibility that he could get busy. But yet, without that touchdown, he would have did not much of anything. Because the Patriots defense was kind of all over them. At least, at least from a coverage standpoint. Let me just say that. From a coverage standpoint. Adam Trotman, only one target on 13 routes run. Juwan Johnson, one target on five routes run. There's a difference here. 
Hopefully you're seeing it. We talk about AK Alvin Kamara. He had 24 carries, 89 yards, three receptions, 29, 29 receiving yards, and one touchdown. Buddy is going to be used and used effectively. But the story of the game for me, Jacoby Myers had 14 targets for the Patriots. 14 targets for the Patriots. The next closest on the whole entire team was Nelson Aguilar, who had, no, actually, it was Kendrick Bourne. Who had eight and who was probably the star receiver of the game. Even though Kendrick Bourne is gonna get all the shine because he caught that touchdown on a on a sweet play. He only had six receptions for 96 yards. But in reality, it was Jacoby Myers who had 14 targets, 55 routes run. That's that's more routes run than anybody in this game. Jacoby Myers had more routes run than anybody in this game. When are we going to wake up and realize that Jacoby Myers is the number one wide receiver for the Patriots and not Nelson Aguilar and not Kendrick Bourne, not Hunter Henry, not Jonu Smith, who, okay, they were cool. James White left with an injury to his hip, and we got to send up prayers to him. But Hunter Henry has six targets on 39 routes run. Jonu Smith had 15 routes run and six targets, including an interception that was his fault that caused Mac Jones to be on the sideline with his, with his hands on his head. This is important, ladies and gentlemen. This is important. And keep in mind, there were only 14 total carries in this game. So it wasn't a Damian Harris game. It wasn't a James White game. It wasn't a J.J. Taylor game. It wasn't even a Brandon Bolden game, even though he got some reps. But he did out-snap Damian Harris, 33-22. to 22. Let's call a spade a spade. We got to monitor this James White injury because he left the game on a cart with that hip injury. He was so quickly ruled out. There's a good chance he can miss some time, and Brandon Bolden primarily took over Wright's role because he had 23 routes run, the most routes run for a running back. J.J. Teller also saw an increase in playing time, but I'm leaning towards Brandon Bolden. Damian Harris's role seems like it's unchanged, and I guess it's probably just an odd week because they really didn't have a chance to get any run game going because of the way the game script flowed. So I'm not I'm not really letting it change my opinion on Damian Harris, but we do have to understand that Brandon Bolden is now another running back entered into this situation, and Ramondre Stevenson is nowhere to be found. We speaking of Damian Harris, we got a bylaw on Damian Harris because the Saints were the best team at preventing fantasy points to running backs last season and have been off to a crazy start to begin this year. And New England started the game with three three and outs and stayed away from the run game the rest of the day, and they faded Damian Harris. So it's not that I feel like it's Damian Harris that he did anything wrong, but he's clearly still the team's early down back in typical situations, and I think that he'll have a better game in, in, year, in weeks to come. This is just an outlier. Anytime you play the Saints, it's an outlier, it feels like. Just look at their schedule so far. And at this point, I'm avoiding all Saints not named Alvin Kamara. Jameis Winston, sorry. Tyson Hill, even though you scored, sorry. Sirquan Smith, sorry. Michael Thomas, eligible to come back after three more games, still, sorry. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not picking you up. It, 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 the list can go on and on and on and on. 
Tony Jones Jr., sorry. Adam Trotman, nope. Joan Johnson, I will cut him. Todd Montgomery, definitely no. Chris Hogan, 7-Eleven, sorry, bro. Ain't nothing personal. Kenny Stills, Sorry. And Marquez Callaway. It's not even a chance. Alvin Kamara is the only must start player on the on the New Orleans Saints. They use the heavy rotation of players situationally through the game because you know that's Sean Payton. Kamara was the only one to run a route over 60% of New Orleans pass plays. He's a gym. He was the only player with more than 50 yards. He's a gym. Taysom Hill was more involved in the offense this previous weeks because he had, it just flowed in a game script. And the way the way the game just flowed, he was there. But with Trekwon Smith eligible to return soon, well, next week, and Mike Thomas coming back, I'm still only touching Alvin Kamara. That's what you need to know for the New Orleans Saints and New England Patriots game. Coming up next, did I get to this game before? No. Arizona Cardinals at Jacksonville Jaguars. Probably the interesting thing of the day was AJ Green. Yeah, AJ Green. It was his game today. He had five receptions on 112 yards. Yes, that's real. <laughs> Christian Kirk had seven receptions for 104 yards. And that was actually also pretty good. When I'm looking at these numbers right in front of my face, I get it. Like, I, I, I really get it. And I'm going to break down the Arizona Cardinals side first and then the Jacksonville. But before I do, let me put context on what I'm about to say because it's important. I tweeted out before the game that I said that this, this Arizona Cardinals team, they need to win this game against Jacksonville. They can't mess around with this game because it's an early morning game for them technically because they're from their West Coast, West Coast team traveling east. For a one o'clock game, that already reeks of uh, of an upset. It's just the problem is that the Jacksonville Jaguars have a quarterback that doesn't understand that he's not in college anymore, and he can't throw off his back foot thinking that he's just the best player on the field, and that the athletes in the NFL are not the same. But that's another topic for another situation. It's, we're here to celebrate AJ Green, who had fifty-two snaps. Second on the team, 32 routes run, second on the team behind DeAndre Hopkins. Six targets, which is actually more than DeAndre Hopkins. Now, Christian Kirk was effective when he was used. 39 snaps, 29, 28 routes run, eight targets on the day, seven receptions for 104 yards. So he made the most out of his time. Christian Kirk is making the most out of his opportunity. He's being very efficient with this, with this, uh, with this volume. But Rondell Moore, it was discouraging to see him being used that way. He only played 22 snaps. He ran around on 14 of his 22 snaps. He only got two targets, and he got one carry on the goal line where he couldn't even get in. The hype that we was given from Max Williams before, he played 50 snaps, which is good, but he only had 19 routes run, so he was used more so, more so as a blocker. Three targets. Yeah. And I said... I said a guy, but I didn't forget. I forgot to mention that Chase Edmonds actually had eight targets on the game, 11 carries. James Conner had one target with 11 carries. So Chase Edmonds is clearly being used as a, as a receiving back, whereas James Conner is being used as that guy 
that's going to bring be using the goal line, what they brought him in there for. So anybody that's like, man, James Conner is, is, is taking away Chase Edmonds' shine, this is what we told y'all for a long time now. Where we have to adjust our radar is realizing that Rondell Moore, even though he went off and went nuclear in week two, that was more so an outlier because he's not even the wide, he's a wide receiver four on this team if we're just keeping it a buck. Actually, wide receiver five because Chase Edmonds is probably be wide receiver number four. It will be Hopkins, Green, Kirk, then Chase Edmonds, all interchangeably, whatever you want to do, and then Rondell Miller a bit after that. So I'm not doing anything with A.J. Green and Christian Kirk besides selling high on them. Both of those receivers put up over 100 yards. It was a perfect situation for them in the game. DeAndre Hopkins was questionable even coming to the game, and he played hurt. And while Rondell Moore was only given three touches in the game, we have to also look at the situation and say that, dang, Hopkins played hurt and he had he had six targets. He had five targets. Still had a cool, uh, a decent game. Not the D-hop game that we expect, but we know his situation now. The real story of the game is the fact that James Conner took away two touchdowns for for this offense for um, J- uh, Chase Edmonds. That's what I'm looking at. But I'm selling high on A.J. Green and Christian Kirk. You got to capitalize now, and what better time to do it than when both of their stock is at a high? Another player I'm selling high on is James Robinson. He had his most successful game with the season high in carries and his first touchdown of the entire year. And a lot of his involvement has to do with the game strip because the Jaguars had to leave for a part of the game. When I say a part, it was a quick part. And the touchdown was all in, and I got scared because Carlos Hyde, he got eight carries, and he came in and on some pass routes, too. But James Robinson was definitely used in this in this offense, at least when he was called on. So you got to sell high on him while his upside is high right now. But I leave this game feeling like you kind of it's kind of unpredictable for this Cardinals offense as far as their backfield, because Kyler Murray really is that RB1. If we just keep it in a buck, James Conner gets the goal line carries. Chase Edmonds gets the receiving work. And Kyler Murray gets whatever he wants to. So you can, if you have Chase Edmonds or James Conner, I'm not talking bad about them. I'm saying you got to start each one of them no matter which what situation you're in. Just look at the matchups. However, it's unpredictable. For me, mainly just because you never know when Kyler Murray is going to going to steal away a, a, a touchdown off the board from one of them. But it's unpredict- it's predictable from the standpoint of you know that James Conner is going to get the goal line carries and you know that Chase Edmonds is going to get the receiving work. That's why it is what it is. We talk about the Jacksonville Jaguar side of things. Man, I think it might be time to drop LaVisca Chenault Jr. and just admit that we're a year too soon. Because right now, he was actually behind James Robinson in targets. James Robinson had six targets. Lavishka had five. Lavishka had 44 snaps. The two guys that's in front of him, Marvin Jones Jr. and DJ Shark Jr., 67 snaps and 61 respectively. 40, 40 routes run from Marvin Jones Jr. and DJ had 37. Marvin Jones Jr. had nine targets. Nine. 
He's a he's a guy that you need to be looking at on your Jacksonville Jaguars, and I will start him confidently every week, week in and week out, because he's their number one wide receiver, and there's no doubt about it. But a guy you need to maybe pay attention to is Jacob Hollister. He had 46 snaps, 29 routes run, and five targets. That's what you need to know for the Jacksonville Jaguars game. And also, I mentioned it earlier, but Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, listen, you had uh you had all the momentum in your side. Jacksonville and Duval County was going crazy after that um, special teams touchdown that broke the record for longest play in NFL history. And then you just you just do everything that you can to take all that momentum and just make it go to the wayside by letting Byron Murphy get two picks on you, one interception for a touchdown, because you wanted to do it. They wanted to do a trick play. And and Trevor Lawrence decides to throw it off his back foot to across his body off his back foot and let the Arizona Cardinals get the momentum. And then the rest was history and they never looked back. He'll learn. He's a rookie. But that was discouraging to see because you're not in the NFL. You're not in the uh, NCAA ranks anymore, my guy. You're not. And we got to just call a spade a spade. And coming up next, because I don't think I talked about this game yet. And it might be still got a couple more games to go. Yeah, couple. still got a couple more games to go. Coming up next. Seattle Seahawks at Minnesota Vikings. Alexander Madison, 26 carries, 112 yards, six receptions, 59 receiving yards. I was wrong on Alexander Madison. I'm going to come out and say that straight like that. I was wrong on him. But what we were all wrong on is Gerald Everett. Let's just let's be real. We kind of anointed this Gerald Everett praise too much because we listened to Pete Carroll in the offseason talking about this is going to be his breakout year and all this other stuff, and I'm just not seeing it right now. In reality, it's crazy because the Seahawks offense is, is in a position where last year they shut down in the second half, second half of the year, and now they're just shutting down in the second half. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, actually. Chris Carson on 12 carries had about 80 yards and he had two targets out of the backfield, nine routes run. So he's definitely being used as a runner. Tyler Lockett had four targets on the day. So yesterday was a DK Metcalf game. DK had nine targets, had himself a great day, over 100 yards for the Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Vikings side of, side of things. Adam Thielen. Just keeps being Thielen and keeps giving y'all nothing but just gym worthy just film to look at because he had seven targets on a day, even added a carry. And although he didn't have the shine day more than a Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson was the story of the day, but Adam Thielen was still good. Justin Jefferson, we just talked about him, had 11 targets. He converted that and turned that into nine receptions for 118 yards and a touchdown where he hit the gritty. And guess who was right there hitting the gritty with him? Adam Thielen. It might be too early to start K.J. Osborne week in and week out. We can't rely on him. But on a game where Dalvin Cook was ruled out, and we got to talk about the fact that Dalvin Cook is not, as I understand why he was taken as a top two running back in fantasy, it's making that Derrick Henry pick not make not seem that bad anymore. 
when the top guy Christian McCaffrey is no longer out is out in week three, it's only week three, and Dalvin Cook is dealing with the same similar dealing with injuries too, and that's the two top two guys that's off the board. Yeah, but Addison, Alexander Madison had seven targets. He made the most of his opportunity. Twenty six carries. So they shut me up and said, "Hey, we're going to use them, and we're going to still going to pass against this weak Seahawks secondary." That just submitted. It's just weak. But remember when I told you that Tyler Lockett had had four four targets? Well, I got to temper your expectations by telling you that he actually got hurt. He had like a he looked like he had a serious left knee injury, but he actually returned to the game. And, I mean, it, it showed me that, okay, the injury might not be serious. However, he might have just been running on adrenaline and because he re-entered the game and then he missed some time later. It's not the first time that a player re-entered the game and missed some time later. But Lockett, he had the second most fantasy points for a wide receiver heading into the week. But he had only four catches for 31 yards, and D.K. Metcalf had the big game for Seattle recording six receptions for 107 yards and a touchdown. Chris Carson, he had an injury. He was dealing with the hamstring late in the game. Luckily, why he didn't play in the second half. Alex Collins was the only other back to receive a carry in this game, and he will likely is not going to be the primary. Uh, he he will be probably the primary rusher if Chris Carson was is not going to be able to play. However, I'm not looking at that with any type of optimism. Travis Homer, he played on half of the third downs in the game. So he'll probably be used as a receiving back. And for more context, Travis Homer actually had three targets in the game. 13 routes run, two more than Alex Collins. Four more than Chris Carson. So that's what you need to monitor. And also in the game, Tyler Conklin. If you're in a deeper league out there, consider adding Tyler Conklin to your league. He had... uh, he was only 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 five Vikings players saw a target on 38 pass attempts by Kirk Cousins. And he recorded eight of them. Now, I understand, he probably won't have many other games like this with that many targets, especially since he finished second in the team in targets behind, if I'm not mistaken, second in the team in targets behind Justin Jefferson. <laughs> That's not going to happen every week. However, definitely needs to be Watch and before y'all add him, just watch him. Watch him, please. That's what you need to know for the Seattle Seahawks and the Minnesota Vikings from a fantasy perspective. Coming up next, Miami Dolphins at Las Vegas Raiders. Peyton Barber had 23 carries for 111 yards, 101 yards after contact. What does that tell you? That he only got 11 yards before contact. <laughs> one touchdown. 31 reception. I mean, 31 receiving yards on three receptions. And I'm still not budging. Why? Because all this is going to go out the wayside as soon as Josh Jacobs gets back. And I, I, I feel that strongly. On the Miami side of things, Mike Gusecki finally had a, a show, show up to the party. He finally got invited to the Fiesta. He had 10 receptions, 86 yards, and a 7.3 average depth of target. Can you say he has a better connection with Jacoby Brissett more than he has with Tua? I mean, when you look at the fact that he finished second on the team in targets behind Jalen Waddle, then yes. Obviously, he was looking his way. In fact, Mike Gusecki ran 55. 
he ran f- 42 routes on 55 snaps. That is insane. Jalen Waddle played good. 13 targets on a day. 53 routes run. Most most on the team. But don't get it twisted. Devontae Parker was actually used. He had six targets on 50 routes run. Will Fuller was out there. He had six targets on 40 routes run. And um, Miles Gaston even had six targets on 26 routes run. But the star, at least in my eyes, was the fact that Mark Gusecki was used and used to this extent. He turned 12 targets into 10 receptions for 86 yards. That's not by accident. They were intentional in getting the game plan through him. For the Las Vegas side, it was like Henry Ruggs had seven targets. Waller had seven. Hunter Renfro had six. But Hunter Renfro probably stole the show more than anybody. Hunter Renfro ran routes on 30 of his 43 snaps. Darren Waller ran routes for only 65 out of 39 routes. When I compare the numbers that I did for Kelsey earlier and for Tyler Conklin and then just now for Mike Gusecki, it's not even close this game. That was a kind of underwhelming game for Darren Waller, even though he had some some splash plays. Brian Edwards kind of disappointed me. Five targets on a day. But it disappointed me because he only had... He played the most snaps out of everybody, but he just wasn't targeted more. It seemed like Derek Carr has a connection with Hunter Renfro more than Brian Edwards, and that's just facts. But coming into this game, I had a lot to be excited about, especially since the fact that, like, two is not playing, so you really get to see where this offense is going to, you know, go. And it's not no shade to two. It's more so when an injury happens, you get really get to see who's a baller and who's not, deeper than the quarterback position. I'm talking about the others. You got to see a chance that we got to start Jalen Waddle from now on. He led the receiving group, receiving room in snaps, routes, run, routes, run, targets, and receptions. He was a clear favorite of Jacoby Myers all day. Besides when he was going towards Mike Gusecki. Speaking of Mike Gusecki, we got to sell high on Mike Gusecki because he led the team in receiving yards after catching just three passes over the first two weeks. This is why it's so important that we're doing that. The Dolphins finally had three wide receivers available, and that was a pleasant surprise for them. But it's crazy that they had three wide receivers available on the same week that two was not playing. But they used a lot more 11 personnel in this game. So that meant more playing time for Mike Gusecki. But I do think that it was going to be harder for him to maintain such a high target share in in this offense with Jacoby Myers. But we're just going to have to see and see how it goes. But those are the stories that you need to know for the Las Vegas and Miami Dolphins game. Denver Broncos, New York Jets. Melvin Gordon had 61 yards and a touchdown, 18 carries. Tim Patrick had five receptions, 98 yards. The thing that jumps out to me on the stat sheet at least the New York Jets didn't score a single point, but yet Corey Davis still had 10 targets with Zach Wilson. He ran the most routes on the team. Don't panic on Corey Davis. Things will get better in time. Elijah Moore had six targets, second in the team. He played 26 snaps and ran 19 routes. 
That should show you when he's in the game, they're trying to they're trying to target him. Unfortunately, it didn't really work out that well. For everybody that was on the Michael Carter train, on the in the Ty Johnson train, stop it. This this team is always going to have a negative game script, and it's going to be hard for any rushing game to get involved for this offense. However, the encouraging thing was that Ty Johnson had five targets compared to Michael Tark Carter only having three. Tyler Johnson actually had 10 more routes run than Michael Carter, 21 to 11. You talk about the Broncos side. Tim Patrick, he probably led the team in targets, him and Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton definitely had more routes run, 28 to 23. They both played the same amount of snaps, but other than that, everybody else was just a non-factor to me. KJ Hamler had three targets, but I'm not really looking at that with any type of shade. I mean, any type of uh, praise, because I could look at the plus side and say he had 15 snaps with 11 routes run, so he ran a, a route on 11 out of 15 snaps. That's good, but he only received three targets, and Teddy Bridgewater didn't even throw a touchdown. No offense. Disappointing. 20 routes run. On 58 snaps with 33 targets. That's not going to cut it. Javante Williams scored. But Melvin Gordon still outpaced him. In snaps, in routes run, and in carries. But my things that we need to look at this game is that I know what I just said about the New York Jets. But... I just don't see the game script allowing them to be able to run the ball in games like that. And that's the centerpiece of what they want to do as an offense. They need to be better on offense. And until he's be- they're better on offense, I'm not touching him and I'm not adding him in to my starting lineups. And it's crazy because he's still available in 45% of the leagues, and it's just tough. So I'm not picking up Michael Carter yet or Ty Johnson. KJ Hamler, he had an injury in his knee early in the game. He didn't return. And I know I said earlier that, you know, it's nothing for me to get excited about or nothing for me to give him praise because, yeah, it's not talking about the injuries, more so talking about the usage. Um, and he's not going to be a leading rece- leading receiver. Imagine if Jerry Judy was still there. He's going to be f- on the bottom end of the, the pecking order when it comes to who Teddy Bridgewater can trust. But let's just put it like this. The Broncos didn't use any three wide receiver sets the rest of the game after that. Deontay Spencer actually took Cameron's spot as a slot receiver. I'm not picking up Deontay Spencer. However, that wasn't the only injury that happened. Elijah Moore actually got hurt. He got off to a promising start. Let's just be honest. Six six targets on 19 routes. But then he suffered a concussion. And missed the rest of the game. So we keep getting plagued by these injuries with Elijah Moore. I'm not touching any of the Jets tight ends. We was quick to give Tyler Croft praise, but he left the game with a chest injury. Ryan Griffin took over as a receiving tight end, but he only caught one pass for five yards. And this offense, again, like I just said it before, is pedestrian. I'm not touching this game. Anytime the Jets play, I'm not even touching it. I'm not starting any Jet. Unless his name is Corey Davis. And even still, depending on the matchup, that's the only way he'll get the start. Because I know that Zach Wilson is going to target him. He's going to target him heavy. 10 targets on 37 routes run. I like to see it. But that is that game because that was a blowout. 
Coming up next in the, on the list, Green Bay Packers at San Francisco 49ers. Devontae Adams. <laughs> Devontae Adams had 12 receptions, 132 yards, one touchdown. He was a star for me, especially when you factor in he had 31 routes run, but he had 17 targets. That's insane. In fact, he had more targets. He had more targets than everybody else on the Packers combined. More Aaron Jones had two. AJ Dillon had two. Josiah Dewara had one. Robert Tyan had one. Marquez Vada Scatlin had four. Alan Lazar had one. Randall Cobb had one. Everything was going to Devontae, to Devontae, to Devontae. Speaking of Aaron Jones, he had 19 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. He had five avoided tackles, two receptions, 14 receiving yards. But who stole the show from me was Devontae Adams, who got hit on a play that, to me, I'm not going to say it should have been a flag. Because that's a football play. As a safety, you're trying to jar the ball loose. He hit the strike zone of his chest. He didn't lead with his helmet. He didn't like it was made so it was more so ruthless as a hit, but that doesn't mean that it was it was a bad uh, uh like a, a personal foul. So I want to say that first and foremost. Because Devontae was laying on the ground and he was more so trying to catch his breath. We, we don't question whether he's built like that. It was more so him trying to catch his breath, and that's the reason why we had to like all have that collective <gasps> the gasp. You know what I'm saying? But he was gasping on the ground, and I'm not trying to throw shade, but I'm just saying that he was literally trying to catch his breath on the ground because the defender, Ward, hit him in the, in the strike zone in the chest. Why are you trying to catch the ball? But that shouldn't deter you from understanding what was going on in the game. The Niners had to come back in that game. And the Packers ended up putting together a sweet drive at the end of the game. And who did they go to? Devontae. And at this point, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's like, man, why else? Why I need to pass it to anybody else? For the San Francisco 49ers side, Debo Samuel had 10 targets on 42 routes run. In an offense that doesn't seem like it's going to get that much as far as uh, passing volume. But second in the team was George Kittle, who ran 35 routes, who had nine targets, which is great. But the story of the game probably was Trey Sermon from the standpoint of I started him and he only got 10 carries. Now, he didn't bust, which is actually a beautiful thing. However, I tweeted out yesterday that, listen, if Trey Sermon Gave you the points that he did yesterday. You just got to say, hey, he didn't bust for me, and that's a win. Especially if you started him as a flex. That's a win. But it was discouraging to see that the 49ers run game just got bottled up the way it did. It was it was discouraging to see. Brandon Ayuk, six targets, 39 routes run. He's out there. He played 60 snaps. 60. You know, in the, in the same range, George Kittle played 70, Debo played 63, and Brandon Ayuk played 60. That should let you know he's out there. Things that I'm monitoring because of this game, 
I always told you that you had to monitor the running back situation for the 49ers because they didn't have Elijah Mitchell or Jermichael Hasty for the game. So they had to replace Hasty with Sermon and Hast- um, they had to place Mitchell with Sermon and then Hasty with Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle Juszczyk had himself a game. Now, Sermon, he should have a little bit more fantasy value in the future. Should he need to start and the 49ers don't get in a 10-point hole like they did in that game? But he, on the other side, he also didn't do anything to actually showcase to us that he should be taking all the playing time ahead of Elijah Mitchell. But on the flip side of that, it's like, well, Mitchell, yeah, he had a big game against the Lions, but it was a lot of large that he left on the table as well. So we got to add context to everything. I'm sorry to say this, but we got to bench Robert, Robert Tyen. He was held to single-digit receiving yards for the second time in three games. The Packers have continued a heavy rotation of tight ends, which actually limits his passing routes. I'm not going to put him in lineups because, yeah, he has touchdown potential, but that's what we always said he had, touchdown potential. It's hard trying to predict when those touchdowns will come in the games that they will come. The Packers have run seven plays with four yards or less to go for a touchdown, and he's been on the field for one of those plays. Last season, he was in for 25 of 43 of those plays, and he scored four touchdowns on those same type of plays. They're not even using him effectively in the red zone, so what makes me think that I should use him effectively in my lineup? Bench Robert Totten, and it's not even uh, – you don't have to overthink it. And I'm saying that to myself because I have Robert Tanyan in the league. We got to start Brandon Ayuk. He was a backup in week one. He was a starter in week two. And now he's returned on an every down roll as a starter. And he's getting the snaps. He caught four passes. He had 37 yards. And he had a touchdown. It was, it was encouraging to see, especially since everybody was kind of fading him. And they were talking about how, you know, we need to get rid of Brandon Ayuk. But... I expect him to remain in the lineups, and I'm going to start him until otherwise because I think that this situation is behind us. We're just going to have to see, though. Coming up next, we got Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Los Angeles Rams. And Deshaun Jackson, you got busy, man. Three receptions, 120 yards, one touchdown, a 26.6 average depth of target. Now, on the other side, Cooper Cup. Nine receptions, 96 yards, two touchdowns. He actually stole the show. Um, when we look at these um, snaps and these routes run, I told y'all it wasn't going to be more so uh, a grunt game. It was going to be more like a, a Geo and Chris Godwin game. If you look at the targets and how it broke out, Giovanni Bernard had 10 targets. He ran, he ran 28 routes on 33 snaps. That's crazy. He's used exclusively as a pass catching back. Meanwhile, Leonard Fournette only ran 20 routes, and poor Ronald Jones only got on the field for 12 snaps. If you look at the snap order, Jill Barnard was 33, Leonard Fournette was 26, and Ronald Jones was 12. That is how the situation in the cookie is going to crumble for the year. Mark my words, because Giovanni Bernard, if they get into situations where they have to play from behind, he's going to be used in passing down situations, and Leonard Fournette is going to be the second option. 
something to monitor. Rob Gronkowski has seven targets, 27 routes run on 45 snaps. Pretty good. It was encouraging to even see Cameron Bray have 28 routes run on 33 snaps. He had five targets. But O.J. Howard, we don't need to be touching O.J. Howard right now. He only played 14 snaps, had seven routes run, and he had uh, one target on the day. Scotty Miller, three targets. Tyler Johnson, six targets. But it was Mike Evans with 61 snaps, 51 routes run, and 10 targets. And Chris Godwin with six targets, but he had the most snaps and he had the most routes run. For the Rams side of things, I look at the stat sheet and say, dang, Cooper Cup had 12 targets on the day? That's crazy. Sony Michelle had 20 carries? Wow. Daryl Henderson got rolled out before the game. But secretly, it was Deshaun Jackson. He only played 21 snaps. He had 16 routes run. He had five targets, and he turned out in three, three, three catches where he took the top off on the defense, even though he was in double coverage. That's impressive. What's not impressive? Robert Woods on his in his day. That wasn't impressive to me. Look, a lot of people won't tell you to add Giovanni Bernard, but I'm going to tell you to add him because he caught nine passes for 51 yards and a touchdown. Listen, he's a third down back and a two-minute back, and he came in the last two minutes of the game, and he saw his work because the Buccaneers are playing from behind. I think their schedule is going to only get tougher, and I don't care what people say about they're the champs and everything like that. I think their schedule is only going to get tougher, and they're going to be in more situations this year where they have to lean on Giovanni Bernard because they are playing from behind. It's unlikely that Tampa Bay trails by three scores very often this year, but do they trail by one? Do they trail by two? Possibly. Possibly. If their offense, if their defense gets roasted the way they did yesterday, if you have Sonny Michelle on your roster, you got to start him as long as Daryl Henderson is out. Sonny Michelle took the early down work, and he and Jake Funk, Jake Funk split times on third downs and other passing situations. And this led to about 20 carries for Sonny. But. We had to understand that he was going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rushing defense that was pretty clamps. So he should do a better he should do better in other games as a starter. And plus matchups. Anyone who sees 20 carries a game should be in starting lineups. And he did in this game. And that that's with the way that the Sean McVay and the Rams offense played, knowing that Matt Stafford was willing and dealing. I'm not adding Deshaun Jackson unless it's a very, very, very deep league. He had a 75-yard touchdown bomb where he was in double coverage. But he's clearly fourth on the, he's a fourth on the Rams wide receiver depth chart. Let's not get that mistaken. You just get it understood. His stat line will be extremely dependent on how the Rams want to utilize him from week to week and when it comes to big plays. And they obviously said to themselves that they want to take the top off of this Tampa Bay defense. So, with that being said, how can I look at this and say anything positive? Well, he did make the most of his opportunities, Deshaun Jackson did. And so did Sonny Michelle. But there's this notion that, like, I got to add him? Nah, I'm not. Not right now. So that's what I take away from the Tampa Bay at Los Angeles Rams game from a fantasy perspective.
did I miss any? Because I think that I did and I missed. Oh, how could I forget? My team. Atlanta Falcons at New York Giants. We got to monitor this wide receiver situation because Kadarius Tony started to see him more playing time last week, which kind of cut into the playing time of Darius Slayton. However, Sterling Shepard and Slayton left in the game in the first half with hamstring injuries, and Kenny Galladay was playing hurt. So this week, the first-round rookie led the receiving room in routes, in routes to run, but Colin Johnson, he technically had the better receiving day with five catches for 51 yards. In layman's terms, if Sterling Shepard misses any time, you want to target Kadarius Tony on your waiver wire because Shepard and Tony play in the slot in three wide receiver slots. Something that you need to know. You got to add Evan Ingram. The Giants tight end made his season debut. He caught two passes for 21 yards. But most importantly, he was targeted six times. And he could even see more targets going forward if some of these injuries become more serious as, as the time goes on. But Ingram, who barely played in two tight end sets for the game, and I think that that could be more so like injury-related or, you know, him trying to nurse him back back to health and not trying to put too much on him, you know, to be a blocker and everything. Or it could be like a permanent change in his offense. And if he is split outside, then I could see him being one of the lead leaders in targets. That wouldn't be out of the range of outcomes. I picked him up in one of my leagues, and I'm happy that I did, even though he, he didn't have necessarily the best day. He only had, like, one point for me. However, I might have to start him moving forward because the situation is only going to get better. You need to consider starting Kadero Patterson in PPR. The Falcons' backfield was basically a 50-50 split in the first half. And Mike Davis, he saw a few more carries than Cordell Patterson and more pass routes, but Cordell took most of the snaps as the, as the game went on, and he converted a lot of receiving yards and helped you in PPR leagues. So if you have a PPR league and Cordell Patterson, Cordero Patterson is still there, then you got to take that into consideration. And I know Atlanta usually gives them more carries than most running backs or most receiving running backs, but they just use them more creatively. And did you know that Cordell Patterson has the third most receiving yards for a running back this season? If he can improve as a runner, and I think that that has more so to do with matchup because we had some brutal matchups for the Falcons so far, then I could see his value only getting higher. But in this game, I'm happy that the Falcons got the win. But it was disappointing to see all the injuries happening on the Giants' side of the ball because Blake Martinez even went out with a torn ACL. So that was crazy. And then Saquon even got hurt. He ended up capitalizing on a touchdown. And he had seven targets on the day, 16 carries. And he was a focal point as far as the running backs. However, there's a lot of injuries going on in, in the Giants' side of things. And I just hope that they keep the ship afloat. For the Falcons, Calvin Ridley, he had eight receptions, 61 yards, but don't let that discourage you from the fact that he had 11 targets. Matt Ryan was going towards him. On the other side of things, who actually was second on the team in targets? Cordero Patterson. And you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. How did how did he have second in the targets when they got Kyle Pitts? Well, I know. Kyle Pitts, he played 52 snaps. He ran 34 routes. And he only had three targets on the day. Lee Smith actually had a touchdown before Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts ran 
34 routes, Lee Smith round six. And he literally came into the game for goal line to disguise a play like that for the Falcons to get a touchdown in order to uh, tie the game. So with that being said, I'm not really – I understand. I talked about Kyle Pitts earlier in the year, and I'm not ready to jump off the bandwagon. However, this is time for you to understand what we're dealing with right now. And what we're dealing with is the fact that, listen, Arthur Smith is trying to get – I tweeted this before, and I said, when they say we need to use him, use him, use him, I think that we used him, but more so as a decoy. He's still getting used, though. It's discouraging, yes, because people are already on our head about us taking him with the fourth overall pick. However, I think that we got the temporary expectations for Kyle only just because I think that Arthur Smith may need to relinquish play-calling duties for offense, and that's just my bold take. But what was encouraging was to see that this was a great game for the Atlanta Falcons defense. And if they keep playing like this, then that only means more possessions for the offense. But the problem is that the Falcons have been a team where their offense has always been light years ahead of their defense. What do you do now when it's the reverse situation and you have the defense that's light years ahead of the offense? The more you know, the more you grow. And that is all of the week three games breaking down from Vajradamus himself. It's a lot to get to. A lot to get to. Now, I'm not going to touch the Monday night game or the Thursday night game. Currently, uh, the game is, I'm not going to tell you the score. But um, let's just say it looks like it's about to hit the over. And um, those are some of the takeaways. Now, I gave you blind resume in the show about Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Keep being patient with Keenan Allen, please. Um, the most shocking thing that I saw this week probably was Carson Wentz coming back and playing from two two ankle sprains. Like that that that's crazy. Um, and the fact that Frank Wright really don't trust Jonathan Taylor like he said that we do. Uh, the Chargers got a big win in Kansas City. New Orleans gave New England the Green Bay treatment. Atlanta got a big win in New York. Cincinnati beat Pittsburgh for the first time and since I don't know when. New York Jets were the New York Jets again, and they put up zero piece on the board again. Arizona was struggling in the first half and found some way to pull out against Jacksonville 31-19. Indianapolis is 0-3 and at the bottom of the conference. What? Tennessee got the win. Baltimore barely escaped by the leg of Justin Tucker. Cleveland got a dub. And Justin Fields needs a hug. Please go hug that man. Buffalo is just Buffalo at home. Carolina handled biz. But it's hard to justify this. <sighs> Number one pick of Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey. One and two overall. It's kind of hard to justify it now. 
But the more that you know, the more that you grow. For this episode of Fantasy Vibes Podcast, I am your host, Moon. I know I talked to you for a lot, but we broke down every single game that happened on Sunday. I appreciate you listening. If you feel in this episode, make sure you share with somebody. Um, let them know what's going on here with Moon Vibes and with Fantasy Vibes. Thank you so much to everybody that supports this wave. Um, make sure you leave a review. It's greatly appreciated, whether it's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, anywhere that you listen to it. Shout out to everybody across the world that listens to this podcast. You're greatly appreciated. And um, I appreciate your time more than anything. And I'll be looking forward to giving y'all more podcasts, especially on Mondays when I get breaking down like this. So as we end the episode, I'm going to leave you with this nugget that I tweeted out because I know I've been saying it's hard to justify Dalvin Cook being the number one overall, um, being number two overall pick. But it's not hard to justify Saquon Barkley being, um, I said Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey being the number one pick. The reason why? I have to find a tweet. But in his first three games, uh, Christian McCaffrey was, like, on a pace. I think he was, like, first in running backs in targets and receptions. He had 15, 15, 16 targets, 15 receptions. That was, like, number one in in the NFL for running backs over his first two weeks of the season. This is before week three. That we got this past week. So, in PPR leagues, he's definitely that guy. But it's looking more and more like Derrick Henry. Can't talk about him anymore. (laughs) For this episode of Fantasy Vibes, I'm Moon. Sending you off into your day, your evening, your night. Whenever you listen to this, enjoy your day. Love somebody unapologetically. Do something nice to somebody you normally wouldn't do. And share this podcast for me um, so we can get this all the way up so everybody in the world can hear this podcast i love you if nobody has told you that and i'll catch you on the flip side enjoy your week and i'll see you next week where we break down week four of these games i'll talk to you soon it's moon vibes and this is fantasy vibes